Let's go back in time to the Russian collusion situation and the reportage. So you remember that it was almost hysterical at points as uh, the corporate media tried to knock Donald Trump, number one, out of the race for the nomination. And then when he got the nomination on the Republican side, they tried to knock him out uh, and put Hillary Clinton into the White House. And Russian collusion was the spear point. And of course, as everybody remembers, it turned out to be a fiasco. There was nothing there. Now, did the media ever apologize for that? No, didn't apologize. In fact, uh, the New York Times Washington Post won Pulitzers, and uh, the Pulitzer company said, well, we don't really care that it didn't turn out to be anything. Uh, we, we liked the reporting anyway, which was the biggest farce in the world, and destroyed the Pulitzer Prize reputation forever. Okay, then we had the two impeachments, which were the, the, the Ukraine phone call was insane to impeach somebody because of that. When you're the chief law enforcement officer of the land, the president is that, and you make a phone call and say, hey, if you know Mr. Zelensky in Ukraine of any corruption that happened under the Obama administration regarding the vice president, Biden, please let us know. <laughs> well, I would do that if I were the chief law enforcement officer of the land, wouldn't you? He was impeached for that. Trump was impeached for that. And then uh, in a quickie impeachment uh, as he was going out the door, it was January 6th. And, that, you know, everybody knew it was bogus and political and nonsensical. And that's why CNN is destroyed to this day, because they, uh, they pushed and pushed and pushed. And, and people, even if you hate Trump, you say, like, this is ridiculous. Well, now we have something that um, might, be, might be that bad. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So every morning, as you may know, because I've said it before, I listen to the World News Roundup on CBS Radio at 8 Eastern Time. And I listen because it is a six-minute broadcast that hits the high points of whatever's going on. Well, today there was almost hysteria in the voice of the announcer about Donald Trump being investigated by the Justice Department over January 6th. They led with it. I was like breathless. So there was no caution or skepticism or, hey, we've been down this road before and it led nowhere. No, 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 no. So those of you who watched the uh, January 6th hearings in the House or followed it closely know there's no basis for any criminal probe based upon what that committee found out doesn't exist. The, the most sensational charge was this uh, Hutchinson woman, Cassidy Hutchinson, saying that Trump grabbed the steering wheel in the Secret Service limo and demanded to be taken to the riot itself. And that was easily refuted, and, and it was ridiculous. I mean, as I said, he, he would have to be the 50-foot man to have an arm long enough from the back seat where he was sitting to grab a steering wheel. It couldn't have happened. And it was all hearsay anyway. She didn't see it. That was it. That was the big gun they had. Well, the network news 
Uh, they're still heavily invested in this January 6th committee. So Merrick Garland, the attorney general, goes on NBC News, roll the tape. Look, we pursue justice without fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone who was criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th, for any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another, accountable. That's what we do. Okay, I have no beef with that. You know, if somebody tried to subvert the transferal of power, then Justice Department should look at it. But there's absolutely no evidence that Donald Trump did that or any high-ranking Trump official. Not yet. Maybe they have something they haven't told us, right? Maybe Merrick will come up with something. He's looking. So last night, the Washington Post, again, this is the Pulitzer Prize winner who, uh, you know, did all this bogus reporting on Russian collusion. Washington Post reports, again, anonymous sources, four people familiar with the situation. The headline is Justice Department investigating Trump's action in January 6th criminal probe. That's the headline. All right, people familiar with the probe say investigators examining the former president's conversation have seized phone records of top aides. Well, we knew that already. All right, it's not new. Okay, so yeah, they're investigating top to bottom, as they should, as they should. Now, the report does not say Trump is a target of a criminal probe. Doesn't say that. Nevertheless, the press goes crazy and CNN's the worst, as always. CNN headlines this big thing um, that, uh, hey, um, Trump's defense secretary says he never received a direction or order to deploy National Guard on January 6th. Uh, Okay, but that's gamesmanship. There was no order to deploy the National Guard, as we have clearly stated. There were discussions. And President Trump was ahead of the curve. And there's no doubt that he was. But CNN seizes upon a deposition from the acting defense secretary under Trump, Christopher Miller. Roll the tape. I was never given any direction or order or do of any plans of, of that nature. There was no direct, there was no order from the president. That's right. There was no order because they gave it to the House and Senate itself. All right. They gave it to the House. They said, look, do you want them? Just tell us you want them and we'll put them in, in. Six times, the head of the Capitol Police Department, six times, went to Pelosi and I don't know who he went to in the Senate, but high ranking people said, you want the guard? President Trump's willing to put the guard in. No, didn't want it. DC mayor? No, didn't want it. And the kicker on this is the, what we reported uh, this week, that the inspector general of the defense department, that's a person who watches what all the generals, what everybody does, issued a report, here it is, quote, Mr. Miller, that's the guy you just heard, Chris Miller, and General Miley, Milley, met with the president at the White House at 5.30 p.m. The president told Mr. Miller that there would be a large number of protesters on January 6th, and Mr. Miller should ensure sufficient National Guard or soldiers would be there 
to make sure it was a safe event, unquote. Well, that's in stone. That's what happened. CNN didn't report it. Washington Post didn't report it. So we just ignore it. I mean, it's just so outrageous, right? So the headline, Trump targeted criminal investigation. Ah, but all exculpatory information is ignored. That's how corrupt it is. And that's the memo. All right, let's get on to uh, President Biden. His COVID is over. He is uh, negative. That's good. Had nothing on his schedule today. But, but he went out there to talk about the COVID vaccine. Well, Every person aged five and over should get a booster shot. If you're over 50 years old, you should get two booster shots. I did. And if you have your boosters, one if you're under 50, two if you're over 50, your odds of getting severely ill from COVID are very, very low. All right. But in the beginning, Mr. Biden, you were saying if you got the vax, you wouldn't get COVID. But now we know that's not true. So now you're saying, well, if you get it, like I just did, it won't be bad. Can I have some studies, please? Can I see some data? I would like to, and I think everyone watching and listening to me tonight would like to. Now, I'm fully vaxxed, two boosters. I can't send my urchin to college unless he gets a booster. I'd like to see a little data on this. That's all I'm asking. CDC, if you're going to go out as president of the United States and tell everybody they got to get vaxxed and boosted, shouldn't you have something to back that up? Some study, some research, anything? Because nobody believes you anymore. Nobody believes Mr. Biden on anything anymore. His credibility is shot 100%. But on this, where colleges and other institutions are actually ordering people to get vaxxed, can we see some data, please? I don't think that's unreasonable. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding Fast Growing Trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com. Use promo code BILL at checkout. All right, uh, Rasmussen on B- uh, Biden, 1,000 uh, likely voters. Question is, President Biden runs for election in 2024. Would that be a good or bad for the Democratic Party? Good 21, bad 45. Doesn't make a difference, 31. Um, so most Democrats don't want him to run. And I was the first guy, I was on Hannity's radio program today, and I, I said to him, I think I'm the first journalist in this country to say Joe Biden would not run again in 24. I said it, what, six months, eight months ago? He's not going to run again. I am so sure. You want to bet? I'll take your money. 
not. He's got no constituency. As I said, nobody believes a word he says. Um, in a CNN poll, okay, another one, 1,002 respondents. We don't know who those people are. Um, who do you think the Democratic Party should nominate as the party's candidate for president in 24? Biden, 25%. A different candidate, 75%. This is, these are Democrats. They don't want him. He's not going to run again. And again, I hope you listen to that Hannity thing. We have it posted on BillOReilly.com. Because I, I don't do this with malice. I do this with just the facts. I mean, just, just nothing going right for the Biden administration. Nothing. Not one problem solved in a year and a half. In fact, everything's worse. So there is a new book out called The College Scam, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of Americans' Youth. Just came out today. The book is by Charlie Kirk. Now, you may know the name and you may know him. Let's bring him in. He's in New York City. He is the founder and president of Turning Point USA, a conservative organization. All right, Charlie, so before we get to your book, and I find it very interesting, on the right-wing websites, and I don't live in this world, I don't go to the ideological websites, but of course everything comes back to me through my staff and others, there is a movement about the FBI actually tanking the Hunter Biden investigation. And Senator Charles Grassley has written a letter about it, asking the FBI to explain. Now, obviously that we go back to Russian collusion, and the FBI uh, botching that totally for political reasons. Now we're on Hunter Biden. What do you know, since you're in this um, atmosphere, this Internet, what do you know about this story? Yeah, here's what I do know. I know that there seems to be a, a series of whistleblowers that are coming forward. And it seems that there is a concerted PR campaign to try to make Hunter Biden uh, seem better than it actually is and that these whistleblowers are coming forward and they're saying at the top levels of the FBI, there's a concerted effort to almost make this entire story go away. Now, this is deeply disappointing, Bill, and I'm very frustrated because we know about the abuses of the Federal Bureau of Investigation that we saw under Donald Trump. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, we saw it with uh, Bruce and Nellie Orr, and the problem, also Andy McCabe, the problem that I have is that almost none of those people were held accountable. Now, no, Durham is going about, his uh, investigation, but my yeah, struck was struck was fired. Page was fired. Uh, but Comey, the director of the FBI, who certainly was ridiculous. But do you believe this story? I mean, you know, whistleblowers are whistleblowers are anonymous people. Um, do you believe that the FBI is purposely tanking the Hunter Biden investigation? And if you do believe that, why? I mean, I believe what I've been told so far. I mean, I, I'm, I always have an ounce of skepticism at times with some of this stuff. But I do know this, that the, the, district, the district attorney, the U.S. attorney, I'm sorry, that's looking into the Hunter Biden story, um, the U.S. attorney has been saying that there has been a mountain of evidence that has come forward and that an indictment might be coming sometime soon. There's been lots of leaks to show that. But, Bill, I don't find it uncharacteristic for the FBI to act in a political nature. I mean, that's something that we've seen, unfortunately, repeat itself in many separate manifestations. Yeah, I don't trust the FBI. I have to tell you, I don't trust them. And, yeah. and, and I lean traditional. I lean law enforcement. I don't trust the FBI because I don't think that there's anybody in there 
um, that, you know, where with Trump, you had an attorney general, Barr, who I thought was an honest man. Uh, Merrick Garland? I mean, come on. I, I, uh, all right. So let's get on to your book. What college did you go to? I didn't. Though you didn't go to college at all, you graduated from high school. What high school did you go to? I went to Wheatley High School in the suburbs of Chicago. And actually, that's the first line of the book is that I'm the best and worst person to talk about college not being the way it is. That I why, didn't why, did, why did you not go to college? Well, I originally wanted to go to West Point, uh, didn't get in. And I decided to take a gap year, which turned out to be a gap decade and um, started Turning Point instead. Okay. Now, are you recommending that most American young people not attend college? I mean, what's the overall theme of the book? Yeah, so there's a couple numbers that drive my recommendation. The first is this, is that 40% of people that enroll in four-year college drop out. So that's 40%. That's an extraordinary number. The next number that I think is equally as important is that 60% of people that end up graduating college if they get a job, it will be in a job that does not require a college degree. Put all the wokeism and the intolerance and the assault on free speech aside. And so that is nearly 70% then of students that will enroll in college that will either drop out. And if they get through those four years, they won't even use that very expensive diploma that they probably had to go into debt to get. Do you take into account the cultural benefits of going to college, the maturity, the exposure to different ideas, uh, the articulation of uh, certain really good professors, and the socialization that you have to live on a campus, mom and dad aren't there anymore, and that you come on almost forced to become adult. Do you take any of that into account? I do. And I will say, though, that, you know, there was a survey done of Fortune 100 CEOs and they're saying something has changed, though, especially in the last decade, that the students that they are now hiring, the graduates, I should say, they're now hiring their vocabulary skills, their writing skills, their social skills, their ability to interact have declined greatly. In fact, one CEO said this is a fire alarm for our company because we cannot find qualified graduates. And so, of course, I mean, look, college is what you make out of it for a lot of people. But I do make the argument in the book that there is a vast oversupply of students that enroll in these university campuses. And it comes at a great cost with the average student loan debt per person being thirty eight thousand dollars per person in our country, some with one hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars. But I think the best argument, honestly, Bill, for college is if you can survive it without, you know, going through any of the woke stuff, there is a legitimate, um, let's say, golden ticket you get if you go to one of the nation's elite colleges. I say this all the time, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Stanford. If you can survive those four years, you will be treated differently. And I don't think that's right. I don't think it's something that is necessarily always earned, but that is definitely something that is a reality. Um, and we talk about that in the book. Well, it's a door opener. Um, mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. Nobody ever asked for my degree when I applied for jobs in journalism, I guess they knew I had a master's from Boston U, but nobody ever asked to see my history degree or, or gave me a quiz on academics, any of that. They just wanted to know if I could perform on television, and that was all. They didn't care uh, what I did. So in that, in that regard, you are correct. But my children, I forced them to go to college. <laughs> I forced them. 
And the reason I did was because I believe that in a competitive atmosphere, which college is, that you learn to negotiate yourself through tough times, good times. You learn to deal with an awful lot of people that you wouldn't learn if you went into just say a apprenticeship to become a carpenter or an electrician or whatever. You wouldn't have that. And I thought that that overall knowledge was very beneficial. And then if they wanted to become an electrician or a carpenter after the four years, that was fine with me because those people make a tremendous living. If you could drive a truck and you're responsible in the United States, you can make $200,000 a year now, all right? Because these, these skills are absolutely necessary. But the maturity factor, and believe me, I know plenty of immature people went through college, including me, <laughs> but, but you are presented on any college campus with a number of things that you have to problem solve. And, and, and that's say, why I think it's worthy. Yeah, I will say, though, it's changed, though, Bill. I mean, look, a lot of your coverage, I mean, do kids get more mature when they have safe spaces if they find something that's offensive to them? No, but they're I loons. Mean, and so you have to learn well, how well, to deal well, with the loons. You know, if, you're, if, you're, if your background, Charlie, like, and I'm sure yours was, I don't know what your parents were like, but I, just, you know, I know you and I know where you present yourself. Your background and my background are similar. So we were taught by our parents, all right, that there is a right and a wrong in the world and that you conduct yourself in a certain way. So you, but even, not everybody gets that. And so you have to learn how to deal with the loons. And you're right. The loons are overrunning a lot of colleges now. Right. And there's just to the point, though, is that the loons are overrunning the college, but the institution itself is developing a maturity at a far lower rate. Uh, whereas you could complain if somebody offends you. It's almost incentivized to do so. Um, whereas the college atmosphere, maybe in the 80s or 90s, would have been, hey, figure it out. You know, uh, who cares if somebody say some, says something offensive? Bill, it's not a fringe minority. You have the entire college administration that gave kids off at Yale Law School. Days I understand. Off I got it. And that's my, my recommendation to every parent is to research the colleges because there are good colleges. There are colleges that don't do that. Okay. And that's, I did my research. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to mention any names now, but down the road I might. And there were colleges that I said to my son, you know, this place is bad. It's bad. Look, right, there are some stay good schools. There's some good schools. I've, yeah. I will say, though, Bill, that parents have to be comfortable with a risk. And in all in life, there's risk in everything that they may no longer share your values. In fact, they might become opposed to your values at they some could. of these universities. Absolutely. All right, Charlie, the book is The College Scam, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of Americans' Youth. It's out today. Wish you the best. And thanks for helping Thank us you. out, Charlie. Good to see Thanks, you. Thanks, Bill. People can find it at collegescam.com. Thank you, Bill. Okay, say that again. I want everybody uh, to use, bring Charlie back. Um, say that again. Where can they get it directly? Sorry, they can get it directly at collegescam.com. Collegescam? S-C-A-M.com? Yes. Okay, well, they won't forget that. Um, thanks again for helping us out, Charlie. Okay. Now, there was an interesting column uh, written by the former lieutenant governor of New York, Betsy McCoy, in the New York Post. And it said, because I get a lot of mail on this, it's, it said, look, after the migrants get here, whether they're seeking asylum or they just sneak across or whatever it may be, a number of charities help them. 
Okay, the charities aren't helping them sneak across the border because they get shot in the head if they did that. The cartels do that for money. But once the migrants get here, they need some help, and the charities are providing it. So Betsy McCoy joins us now from New York City. Uh, the headline in this is that there is a big charity uh, that was formed by La Raza, the very uh, strident Hispanic group that's changed their name, that has millions and millions of dollars to help these migrants, correct? Well, that's true. The fact is some of the biggest names in the world of charity, United Way, Catholic Charities, <clears throat> and the one you just mentioned, Karis and I, all of these charities and many others are receiving large government contracts. They're not just charities anymore. They sound like charities, but they're really doing the bidding of the federal government. And that's why I wrote about it, because it shows the deception by the government, the federal government, state government, and local government. All three layers of government are pouring millions and millions of dollars into these charities to do what the politicians want done, but they don't want their fingerprints on it. It's a kind of money laundering. In other words, all of these democratic politicians want to maximize the number of illegals coming across the border and making their way to their chosen destinations around the country. But in order to facilitate illegal immigration, you need people standing uh, right near the border patrol once these people are caught and released to offer them debit cards, which they're offered up to $800 loaded on each one, food, hotel rooms, bus tickets, plane tickets, uh, and many clothing, other types of aid. So all of that is paid for, is given to them by the charities, but the federal government funds the Federal government and state government. For example, Kathy Hochul has an office of new Americans and it pours a lot uh, of money into these Under, under what, though? Uh, let's just stay with the federal government. Under what FEMA. program? FEMA is one of the largest FEMA. distributors of taxpayer dollars to these charities to act as middlemen, doing what the federal government does not want to be seen to be doing itself. Okay. So FEMA so distributes money to program. United Way. Pardon? All right. There's a welfare FEMA program set up. Money by the Biden administration, and they funnel the tax money through FEMA to United Way, Catholic Charities, uh, Care Jijin, whatever the La Raza charity is, and they're getting taxpayer money, and then they turn around. When the migrant is there on our soil in America, then they get a debit card, and they get transportation wherever they want to go, and they get other help. That's, That's right. Catholic Charities is meeting the buses as they roll into Washington from Texas and Arizona. Catholic Charities is meeting the clandestine flights that come into White Plains. You see the migrants unloaded, deplaned from those flights onto large buses. And if you follow those buses, as the New York Post reporter did one night, they stop at various Catholic Charities. Okay, but how can Catholic Charities get federal money in the, uh, the, the federal government is not supposed to fund church-related Oh, that's such activities. an interesting question. You know, you hear the Democrats stridently opposing any taxpayer money going to, for example, right. a Catholic school or another Catholic chari- operation. 
But when it comes to illegal immigration, no problem. We will fund our operations through Catholic Charities. Now, how did I find this out? Well, if you just look at the annual reports of these charities, the glossy kind of reports, they don't really tell you where the money comes from. But if you look at their audited financial statements or the 990s they have to file with the federal IRS, they will actually list where their, where their money comes from. I've got the, uh, the Central American refugee uh, outfit right here. And by far the largest source of money is government contracts. Some of them from the federal government, some of them from Kathy Hochul's state government. From New York. Okay. That's right. So nobody knows about this. Excellent work, Betsy, in uncovering it, because I didn't know. I knew these charitable organizations were involved, but I didn't know they were getting my tax dollars to do it. So it's well, another, another subterfuge. They more than just accommodate the immigrants. For example, this, this CARES organization also prominently announces on its website that in addition to providing food and clothing and other things, they provide voter registration and civic education to these newcomers. I wonder how many of them are being enrolled in the Republican Party. Now, up until 1999, I understand Soros was involved in funding and spell it out, the charity that we're talking about, Carrigen, spell it yes, out. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. How do you spell it? I've got it right here. See, it's called Central American Refugee, Central American Refuge Center. Harris in New York, right. Okay. So Soros was funding that up to 99, but apparently he stopped funding it. Is that what's going on? Well, or there's a small amount of money coming in from him, but the biggest chunk of money funding this organization is government contracts. Unbelievable. And you know, this wasn't invented by the Biden administration. It was actually invented by the Obama administration. If you go back and read Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, you'll see that Obama himself, a community organizer, very cleverly funneled billions of dollars, billions, into community organizations all around the country. He could have set up government offices to enroll people in health insurance, but instead he funneled it into community organizations knowing that they could do things government offices can't do. For example, enroll people to vote, civic education, indoctrination, street organizing. Behind the scenes, no one knows it's happening. Now, final question. I've had priests on, and they said, look, uh, we're Catholics. We have to help the poor. It's a of mandate. Um, when poor people, it doesn't matter whether they're legal or illegal, they're human beings. They come here. They don't have anything. So That's we right. have to help them. I'm all for that. Them. And you answer I'm all that for that. Answer. But this money is not coming out of the Sunday collection basket. It's coming out of Joe taxpayers' dollars. And people That's should know the that. Difference. Right. All right. Very good, Betsy. Very good column. Keep us surprised of what happens. And we really appreciate Thank your you. time today. All right. So that's what we're in business to do, to tell you things that no other news organization will tell you because they're not smart enough to be current on what's happening. I did not know that FEMA, which gets obviously billions of dollars from Congress, they allot that money to FEMA. FEMA is supposed to react when there is a natural disaster, like Hurricane Katrina, okay? But now, some FEMA money, and it's got to be in uh, tens of millions, is going to these organizations that are giving money to illegal migrants, which, of course, is going to then 
spur more illegal migration. When word gets back to Tegucigalpa, Honduras, that, hey, I got an $800 debit card and I got this, that, and the other thing, just sneak in and you'll get it too. I mean, it's just outrageous. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Smart Life. So this is a segment we do every day now to try to help you economically, mostly, all right, live the smart life. So there is something I never heard of, but here it is, True Bill app. So you remember that because of me, right? True, T-R-E-U-B-I-L-L, True Bill app, okay? So it identifies subscriptions you may have to cable, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, magazines, anything you're paying, all right, newspaper subscriptions, and it will cancel them for you if you want them to. With one tap, boom, it's gone, all right? So you don't have to think about it. You don't have to pay stuff on your credit card that you don't know you're paying, whatever. True Bill app. Now, a lot of people are cutting out the stuff that uh, they don't need. We lost some subscribers on BillOReilly.com over the past four months. Not a lot. I mean, we still have an 85% retention rate, which I think is the highest in the country. But I know why. Because people going, oh, you know, I don't have the money to do it. We will save you 10 times the money you pay on a subscription if you listen to us on a regular basis. So true app. Then I got a letter from Bubba Edwards in Titusville, Florida. Now, this is an interesting and easy tip that will save you money. Bubba has gotten a gas credit card, like Mobile or Shell or whatever. I don't know what company Bubba got the card from. And you should shop around. On this card, you get a discount for every gallon of gas that you buy. Doesn't matter what the price is. It's 
the price goes up, price goes down, you still get, I think, up to 10% on some of these cards. They, you put it, put your card in the dopey uh, thing where you fill up your card, okay, and then they automatically take 10% off what you're paying. So if it's 100 bucks to fill up your vehicle, like it is in California, so you get 10, it's 90. Okay, maybe not enormous, but over uh, the year, it adds up to between six and a thousand, $600 and $1,000. And all you got to do is get the stupid gas card company. Shop around. Some have more than others. That is a really good tip from Bubba Edwards in Titusville, Florida. Okay. I love this. So there's a study published by the American Heart Association, which is a serious outfit, and it's in a journal called Hypertension. All right. And it was a study of about 400,000 people in the UK. I don't know why it wasn't in America. It says that people who take naps during the day have an increase of stroke, the likelihood of stroke. But then if you read the fine print, as we always do, a lot of this comes down to people who take naps who are regular smokers and drinkers. So, yeah, if you're smoking two packs a day and drinking a quart of gin, you may get hypertension and a stroke, even if you take a nap. Now, I don't believe this stuff. I think naps are good, mainly because I take them when I can. I don't mean three, four hours, although I know a lot of people would like me to take a nap for that period of time. I mean, a half an hour. Winston Churchill took a nap every day uh, for a half hour, 20 minutes. You were refreshed. Okay, I don't believe it's bad for you, but I could be wrong. All right, let's go to Al Gore. Remember Al? Al, the, uh, <laughs> I love him. All right, so I, I'm running this segment just to show you how fanatical the progressive movement is. So uh, Mr. Gore is on Meet the Press. Nobody watches it anymore, but he was there, and here's what he said. Go. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams. They heard the gunshots. And uh, nobody stepped forward. So Mr. Gore is saying because climate change is going to doom the planet, we're not doing, we're not stepping forward and on and on and on and on. That's pretty fanatical, wouldn't you say? Comparing that to Uvalde? I mean, all right. In California, more fires every summer. And this is Mariposa County, beautiful place right outside of Yosemite. Um, you got uh, 17,000 acres already burned. 6,000 people evacuated out there um, every summer in California. There it is. Global warming? I don't know. I just know it's every summer. All right, legalizing drugs leads to increased drug use. <laughs> okay. Is that, you need a PhD? Well, apparently you do, because this is a Columbia University and City University of New York study. All right. They published a drug and alcohol dependence study was released July 19th, um, 10 days ago or whatever it is, a week ago. Um, And they said, hey, in all the states that have legalized cannabis, now far more people smoke pot than before. Okay, 
You know, we're living in a stone generation here. I mean, it was bad when I was in college in the late 60s, early 70s, but worse now. All right, here's an update on a horrible story in Ohio, Indiana. Nine-year-old girl raped, gets pregnant, crosses state lines from Ohio to Indiana, gets an abortion. The 27-year-old suspect, illegal alien uh, Gerson Fuentes from Guatemala, is being charged. He has been charged felony rape of a minor. All right, he has not entered a plea. Uh, He is being held on $2 million bail. He will never see the light of freedom again, this man. And he should. He should. But I wanted to give you an update on that. You know, it's so depraved, there's not even any words for it. You just can't describe it. Guy's the devil. And I know I'm convicting him without due process, but he admitted it. Told the cops he did it. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here is the final thought that I forgot because uh, I need a nap. Um, Samantha B, late night, far left comedian, canceled. Okay, is anybody surprised? I'm not. Nobody watched her. She's done. And she's a member of the Smug Club. Here are the other members. Colbert. Trevor Noah, John Oliver, Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel, on and on and on and on. The Smug Club. Here's my question. How can you left-wing comedians be so smug and arrogant and condescending and supercilious, word of the day, how when you all supported Joe Biden? Wouldn't that humble you a little bit? Wouldn't you say, damn, I may make a mistake there. I don't like Trump, but Trump governed the economy pretty well. Now, right? What do you have to be smug about? What? This is now, he's passed Herbert Hoover, in my opinion. I mean, it's close. The second worst president ever, next to James Buchanan. Someday I'm going to tell you all about James. But you don't have a right to be smug, but you're smug. And Americans have had quite enough of the smug club. Quite enough. And there's a lot of news people that are smug, too. They don't want to watch them. I hope I'm not. If I'm smug, you got to let me know. I don't want to be smug. Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News. We will see you tomorrow.